This morning's message, I actually was asked to preach, I think, Thursday or Wednesday this week when I, uh, Bruce was going to be out of town and uh, Jace got called into work last night and I just found out a few days ago. So when that kind of thing happens, I'm like, okay, I wasn't the first choice to preach. So I better really seek God because if God gave them a message, it better be the same thing. And I didn't talk to them and I want to make sure that this is of God obviously, and it's not just a thought or an idea I had, and I don't know what Jace was going to preach on or if Bruce, I'm not sure. So, um, And the reason why this happened is because Pastor Joe and Ruth are actually uh, celebrate, got to give it up for your pastor and his wife, celebrating 40 years of marriage today. Let's give it up for them. So you have the youth pastor today, but I, I will cater to the crowd I am preaching to the best I can. Um, uh, keep in mind that, that Pastor Joe and, and Ruth, uh, it's amazing. They, they founded and started the church in 1990, so it's been almost 20 years of, of the ministry in New Hope. 20 years before that of marriage and ministry and changing in lives. And I believe Ruth is the only woman he's ever even kissed. Um, I think they started seeing each other when they were 15, and he's now 60. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? So continue to pray for your pastor and his wife and the ministry that they um, lead beside of you here at New Hope. Uh, This morning's message uh, comes from a few different things, but uh, to be honest with you, I struggle with the title of this and probably had five different titles for it. Uh, I struggle with what God wanted for us today. And I started thinking of all the situations that, that I have been in or that situations that people have been in that I've become aware about, struggles and heartaches and hurts. And I, I, I don't know, God took me to the book of Daniel. So we're going to be looking at the book of Daniel. You might as well turn to the book of Daniel and you'll be staying in the book of Daniel for, for the entire service. Um, the end of the world, you know the song that says it's the end of the world as we know it? And I've been humming that song a little. It's a secular song, but the thought came into my mind. I thought, oh, that's a song. It's the end of the world as we know it. And don't the lyrics after that say, and I feel fine? Really? And um, I think the key sentence or uh, after the comma or the semicolon is, as we know it. As we know it. And I believe we are in a time where it is the end of the world as we know it. And the video to me was perfect. There are, they are, there are some uncertain times out there. And, I, you know, all the movies that are coming out at the, for, the, for the past few years, like um, the Independence Day and War of the Worlds and Deep Impact and Armageddon and Knowing and The Day After Tomorrow has been playing on TV and now 2012 and all these things that kind of hype us up and freak us out. And, you know, when you talk to kids about this stuff, it doesn't make them feel real comfortable. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you want to get married. You want to do all these things. You have this agenda before, you know, it's your timeline. You want not to be just be serious here for a second. You, you want to have sexual relationships. You want to have kids. You want to see who you're going to marry, what job you're going to have, what car you're going to have, what house you're going to live in, how your life is going to unfold, graduate from college. You have this agenda. And when I was younger, I had the same agenda. 
I didn't want the end of the world to happen because I wanted to see what my, what, what my life was going to be. Anyone relate to that? Okay. And I started realizing that those who are looking unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ are the ones that are probably truly passionately in love and saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I think when you're younger, you, don't, you maybe don't understand that, and God starts to mold and shape your thinking a little bit. Well, we're going to look at Daniel, because many times when, because people need to know about this. It, it is an urgency at this point. And when you look at Daniel, you're going to see his faithfulness, an unbelievable faithfulness as he goes from king to king to king to king to king. And the same kingdom, the system of the world, the Babylonian era and times and and when the kingdom was set up. And many times when when Jen and I will send a young person off uh, into the real world, whether they're starting a job or this is anyone from someone who is starting high school, starting junior high, maybe you're switching buildings. But all the time you go to church and you were raised maybe to know at least what a relationship with Jesus was about. And we send them off to a new school year every year, and we send them off into the workforce, or just anything new, college. And we tell them immediately, when you do that or you start something new and there are new people around you, you must immediately establish yourself as a Christian. Amen? Because if you don't, The Babylonian system will creep in. And they may not even realize you are a Christian until they get a reaction or an action or words or in some way they can probe and find out how you react, interact, or react to a situation or what you say, how you treat people, things of that nature. So we tell our young people, when you go to college... We we can encourage them, oh, you won't be a statistic. You have to fight not to be a statistic. So we have to send them off saying, hey, you better stay. When you get a new job, there are laws out there now. Like when youth, if you have like church or a youth service and church is the most important thing or one of the most important things of attending a local church service and a youth ministry and you communicate that to your employer, they're supposed to now be able to not schedule you at all ever on those nights where you have church. And that is a law now kind of with our young people and youth saying, this is a day for me, whatever you want to call it, a religious day. I can't work Sunday nights or Sundays. How hard is it not to schedule me Sunday from 6 o'clock on, right? And it seems that every time we have a young person get a job, that's usually when they're scheduled. Sometimes the only only shift they have all week. So you understand the system of the world and maybe the test and almost like they know what they're doing. They have a plan. They have a strategy. So and to make yourself the message, this morning's title is called known. The message is entitled known. And to make yourself known for the purpose of glorifying God, for holding even yourself accountable Because when you don't make yourself known that you are a Christian, the atmosphere you are in, it it gives you more leeway and freedom and to do whatever you want. 
and not hold yourself accountable to other people. Because if you don't tell people you're a Christian, they can't say, ah, 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 I thought you were a Christian. Then you don't, you can't hold yourself accountable. Right? So it's for the purpose of now making God known, but making yourself known and the God in you known to the people around you for the purpose of glorifying God, holding yourself accountable and standing out amongst the people as a strong witness and demonstration of a changed life by a real God. Amen. So listen, I'm going to be reading a lot from the Bible because I figured I can't go wrong if I just read from the Bible. I don't want any opinions to infiltrate. I just want the word of God to be spoken. And this is coming from a messed up world. And we have all these Hollywood saying, you know, mocking the Bible. But at the same time, all their movies involve pieces of the Bible. And um, I, I had I want to kind of we're going to go through here. But I had um, a girl. Uh, cutting herself this past week, and I've seen it all the time, but and it was a little different of a situation. And, you know, usually I know how cuts look. I'm, I've seen the names carved. I've seen um, different words carved in arms. I've seen the gashes. I've seen the lines all from wrist all the way to shoulder, legs down here, all these different things and where people cut themselves. And I saw something I've never seen before this week and how this girl cut herself. She, would, she had to have a 100 rings around her arm where she started on one side and made a complete revolution all the way around and met that cut on the other side and had probably a hundred cut circles all the way up her arm i had never seen that before uh, that style of cutting and you know a lot of people cut themselves to be noticed and a lot do it because of some internal pain they're trying to escape from temporarily and we know the situation and the but it's a different world now than it is even 10 years ago you understand Ten years ago, the biggest problems Jen and I had in youth were girls wearing shirts that didn't fit and maybe exposing their midriff or the small of their back as they went up to the altar to pray. That was like the biggest problem just ten, eight to ten years ago. I, don't, I am not condoning that type of dress, but I'd give anything to have only that as a problem now. I mean, it is, it's bad. It's bad, and they're deep, deep, deep problems deep problems we're going to look at daniel and see how daniel went through the babylonian system unbelievable i just started reading in daniel and i was saying god give me a message this is unbelievable stuff so there will be a lot of reading i'll probably be reading um, a little from the new international version it's pretty much the same so don't get confused if you see the words being a little different on the screen and we're going to start with daniel 1 verse 3 so we have the world so confused, harming themselves, and you're, you're going to see these kings. Let me tell you this real quick, but you're going to see these kings in here being stubborn, negligent, not listening, and the man of God is coming up through and kind of he's through the reign of four or five different kings and he's, he remains the same. And you would think the message from king to king would be like, there's this guy. His name's Daniel, and he's all about this. But either they didn't communicate or they didn't believe God was real. I'm not sure. But I also had a girl this week, and this will make a point with these kings, because it seems like we get it wrong over and over and over again, and we're like, seriously, just fix it. Just go to where you need you know to go and, and fix it. And I had a girl this, this week, I think it was Thursday or Friday, 
she, I think it was Friday, she came into class and slipped, and her whole knee was dislocated. Her entire knee, like I'm talking like completely almost off, like her bone was not protruded through her skin, but complete, in my class, class ready to start, and her bone was like completely out here, and the rest of her leg was here. So it was completely dislocated. She's crying. She's in agony. And I approached her, and I'm very calm. And I, and I said, Amy, what, does, what happened? And she said that she slipped, and she's getting lightheaded, and she's getting ready to pass out because of the pain. And, and I said, do you need me to carry you in some way? Can we brace your leg? Can we go down to the clinic? She gave me her cell phone. I called her dad very quickly, and her dad was there in just a few minutes downstairs. And... And she said, Mr. King, I'm feeling a little lightheaded. I think I'm, and she passes out right there. And her knee's dislocated. I catch her. Now, I'm, this is going to make a point because I, I catch her and I thought, okay, she's passed out. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. But I know that what she, she's passed out. I'm, I'm carrying her. That may have been wrong, but I had a girl hold her leg exactly how it was, and we went very slowly to where the, there was no movement. And we carried her. We were making our way to the elevator, and she wakes up and jerks, and her knee goes back into place. And I'm like, okay. And then she's down on the ground. She's still in some pain, and she says, it just went back into place, Mr. King. And I said, okay. Um, and I said this. I said, what, does this happen a lot? And she said, yes. And I said, hmm, well, I think it's, and I wasn't being trying to be facetious or funny. I said, I think it might be time to get it checked out, maybe have some reconstructive surgery, and get this thing fixed. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like the knee is all the kings are going to see in here. Keeps getting out of whack, messed up, and finally comes to the realization, maybe I should get this looked at. So this kingdom is a perpetual dislocated knee. It's unbelievable. Let's start in Daniel 1, verse 3. It says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. They were looking for good-looking, basically perfect, flawless, smart, handsome people, it's almost like a Ohio State's recruiting methods. But they were looking for perfect people to serve in the kingdom. And they could eliminate, they could do whatever they want, but they had to have the whole package. The whole package. Perfectly built, perfectly uh, looking, perfectly had to be smart, and they went after them. Among these were some of Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the chief official, gave them new names. Now listen, Daniel's name was meant God is my judge, and Belteshazzar was Daniel's new name, and it didn't mean that. In fact, you have Hananiah and Mishael, which meant God, capital G, God is gracious, okay? Their names meant God is gracious, and Shadrach, Meshach, they were changed to Shadrach and Meshach, which meant small g, God of the moons, Okay, God of the moon. So they were basically already entrenching them into the system just by changing their names. And they may not even have known it. Okay, so they changed their That's the first thing they did was change their names. 
And it said, but Daniel resolved not to defile, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself, this is verse 8, with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So it's like you getting a new job, going to college, and immediately making yourself known that you will not be part of this. But at the same time, you were appointed by this system to be part of it, but not be part of it. So you can work. You understand. You can have a job. You can go to school and not partake in the system. You understand. So it says, And Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. So not only Daniel to say, did he say, um, I'm not going to partake of what you're giving me because I don't want any part of this system. How about this? He came up even with an alternative. How about I can still abide and submit to authorities and do this, 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 and this, but let's make some altercations. Let's modify this a little bit. And he says, please test your servants for ten days. Give us ten days. We'll eat nothing but vegetables and give us water to drink. Okay? I'm not condoning being a vegetarian. I'm just saying this is what Daniel said. It said, then compare our appearance with that of young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other men who ate the royal food. I guarantee you, Daniel prayed and prayed and prayed during that time. Say, God, make yourself known. Show yourself strong. It said at the end of the time by the king to bring... I'm sorry, it says, verse 7, To these four men, young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. These guys are God-fearing Christians, and they found none equal to them. This is the way it should be. And a lot of times, people who call themselves Christians, people can't find any good thing about them. We're lazy. We don't excel at our job. We try to look for loopholes or ways out of working, maybe. There was a guy when I worked at Lowe's when I was in college. I worked there for a year to date. And to that date, it was exactly a year. And there was always a guy on a forklift. And they would always see this dude falling asleep on the forklift. That's not safe. Now, he didn't, he didn't you know professed to be a Christian, but I was like, all right, I'm a Christian. I will not fall asleep on the forklift. Simple as that. I'm not going to fall asleep. You're not going to catch me doing something I shouldn't be doing at work. Is that the way it should be? These person own you. They pay you. They tell you what to do, but you can be an individual in your Christian faith. 121 or 120 says, In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in this whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. That means he remained there until King Cyrus, or Cyrus, however you say it, was king. Now, that doesn't mean that he was the next king. Daniel was there for a while, but he went through many, many kings. If you would... Um, 
Go to uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. I am going to be reading because this is absolutely phenomenal. Think about Daniel. Think of your life. Think of how we need to make ourselves known, make God's demonstrating power known, make um, all these things in our Christian faith known to people that God has changed our lives, to hold us accountable. I mean, Daniel might have been doing that to make sure he didn't drift and fall and slip away from God. This is who I am. This is who I serve. And that would hold himself accountable. So people would know that. And he couldn't slip up. Daniel 2.1 says, In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he couldn't sleep. It says, So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came and stood before the king, he had said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I had firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my... Listen to this. This is the world system. This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your house turned into piles of rubble. No pressure. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will res- this is like a complete shift from one end to another, one extreme to the next. If you can't explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. No pressure. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we'll interpret it. The king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this, what I have, is firmly decided. So what he was saying, if you don't tell me this is going to happen, if you do this, will happen. They're scared to death. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king has asked. No king however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asked to do is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. My God does. Right? See, these are all small g gods. Of course they don't live among men. They don't have the ability to live among men. How can you have the ability to live among men when you don't exist? So, obviously, a lot of superstition. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Uh, When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to be put to death, the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officers, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for the time so that he might interpret the dream for him. He's like, my confidence is in Christ. Give me the dream. I'll interpret it. So... He says, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah, who are, who are now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel 2.13, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So he's a little afraid for his life too, but he wants God to be demonstrated. And he's saying, God, don't make us look like fools because we're doing this on behalf of you. It says, during the night... The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. 
Daniel praised God, the God, capital G of heaven, and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. So you might think this morning's message, known, is not about you being known. It's making God known through you and making yourself known to the world that God, capital G, lives in in you and can live among them as well. It says, and he said, uh, I'm sorry, verse 21, he changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them or dethrones them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me. What we asked of you, you have made known to us the dream of the king. And then he went to Arioch, whom the king appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I'll interpret his dream. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, that's his new name, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or um, diviner um, can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But verse, this is what Daniel says, making his God known. But there is a God, capital G, in heaven who reveals mysteries. He, capital H, has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. And he goes on and he interprets the dream. Now, notice what he's doing there. He's saying your confusion will cause you to ask, why can't anyone tell me what's going on? This is a worldly system. The world brings frustration and confusion to the point of, remember, the prophets of Baal cutting themselves and the girl in my class cutting herself. That's, I mean, you know, you need to make it known to these people. There, there's no enchanter or magician. There's no counselor. Now, no offense to you who have jobs at these places, but you know if you have jobs in these public places, your hands are somewhat tied and you can't maybe speak about the gospel. But this is like us modern day saying to a person that you're witnessing to or a young person, there is no one at six counties. There is no one at children's services. There is no one, no guidance counselor at school. There is no one that can help you. But I know a God who can. Do you understand that? That's kind of what it's saying here. So if you go over to uh, Daniel chapter, or let's go down to verse 47, chapter 2, verse 47 and uh, through 49. And it says, the king said to Daniel after he interprets the dream, surely your God is the God of gods, small g, and the Lord of kings. So capital L of Lord over the small k kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel the king placed Daniel in high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge over all its men. Moreover, as Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So someone who is a Christian gets in charge. They appoint other people who are in charge. I mean, you look at our world, you look at our government, whoever's in charge, they have a say who appoints people. You, you are a supervisor at a job. You're in charge at your work. You might have a say over who you hire. 
Now, you want to hire the best. You want to seek God for who you're going to bring in to your school system, to your public entity, to who, wherever you are. You have a say. But if you're a Christian person at the top of the chain and you, have, you can pray, you might not hire a Christian every time. But my guess is your heart would be to get good Christian people in there so you would have more of an influence over the worldly job. Amen? So that's what Daniel does. He uses it and takes advantage of it. I'm in charge. I'm getting these guys in here, too. Because they fear and love God. So go over to um, uh, Daniel 3. Now this is the, the kings and king's men, basically, all the time. They're always trying to stir up trouble and find and get a target on the back of the Christian. Okay? So uh, what happens is if you go over to Daniel 3, and I told you there was going to be a lot of reading today. And it says this. Uh, chapter 3 uh, says... King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 90 feet wide, set it up on the plain of Dura, the province of Babylon. Then he summoned this, uh, the satraps, which are like the high officials, and all these people, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other uh, provincial officials to come to the direction or the dedication of the image he had set up. So he still doesn't know what to do. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? And so uh, the herald loudly proclaimed, what he was saying was all these people were going to assemble together and dedicate this image uh, that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood up before it. Now, can you imagine, you know, people not standing as everybody else stands? We feel awkward enough, and I've seen it just in the past couple of weeks. We feel awkward enough in the house of God when we stand up too early or sit down too late during worship. And we're the only ones standing up. We're like, oh. And you look around, oh, no one's standing. And then sometimes you want to, like, take a stand, and I'll stand for this song, and nobody else will or whatever. And we get confused even in the house of God when it just looks weird when you're the only one standing anywhere. Right? So it says, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So these kings have all these crazy rules and laws. If you don't do this, we're going to cut you up into pieces and bring your house down. These are these, cra- these kings that are saying and making all these laws. We had an exchange student from, uh, from oh, uh, Denmark, I think. And the Muslims are taking over Denmark. I think it's Denmark. And she said, man, if it, they start, they would come in just, you know, in small groups and they would set up these. This is now. We had exchange student like three, two, three years, two, three years ago, I think. And they were from Denmark. This is at Maysville. And they said, yeah, the Muslims are coming in. They're taking over. They set up little villages and little places and they start making their own rules and making their own laws. And they're like little societies here and there. And if you speak out against them, they'll find you and burn your house down. It's like three years ago in Denmark. So, you know, the fertility rate of 2.1, remember, that's way low all across Europe. It's like 1.38. So we are losing all of the, the continent of Europe, basically, right now. And Muslims are coming in like this, saying, if you don't do this or if you speak out badly, we're going to cut you into pieces, bring your house down, throw you into a fiery furnace. What a way to rule. You know, that's relational leadership, right? So... It says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. Now, think, we're thinking about Daniel here, and it's going to get really, really good. It says, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn and all these other things in the music are going to fall down right now and worship the image of gold. And whosoever does not fall down will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, he may not even have realized it, but he got them from Judah, it says, So it says, there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. 
But here it comes. In the workplace, you might be doing things that please God, but they don't please other people. And it says, neither they, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So everyone's bound down, and these three are just kind of like standing around. Thousands and thousands of thousands of people bowing down to this image, and they're just standing there. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like that at work? When all the jokes and the behavior and the swearing and the, you know, let's go here after work and drink and do this and that. And you're like, am I the only one standing? You ever feel like that? So it says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, it's true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God. Is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship my image of gold that I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound, you better bow down or you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I mean, these kings, and they get, the kings get dumber. They get dumber as time goes by. And Daniel stays strong the whole time. This is you and your workplace, you and your family of maybe 90% unsaved relatives that you'll meet with this Thursday. You're a, you're a Daniel. We have to be Daniels. And it says, if we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the capital G, God, will, we serve, will be able to rescue us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. And it's like they're getting mouthy, not mouthy, but like bucking the system because of God towards this king. But the king's the one who put him in place. And is he just now realizing, like, we told you who we were. We weren't going to eat your food. We made ourselves known, and they're still trying. It's almost like they're targeted because they know everybody else is going to bow. And they're trying to find you. When I'm thinking about the end times that are coming, this type of stuff is going to happen more and more and more. So this is like a foreshadowing of the end of days, which we are in. And it says, and they say this, but even if he doesn't save us, we want you to know, O king, that we, and they're addressing him, small k king, that we will not serve your God, small g, or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then the king was furious with them. His attitude toward them changed, and he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. So it was almost, I don't even think, it doesn't even sound like they got a chance to hear the sound again and bow again. We're going to give you another chance, and we're going to sound these alarms and trumpets and music again, and you can bow. But then they were like saying, no, we're not going to bow. We're telling you now we're not going to bow, even if you do sound them. See, he was enraged with fury. He said, forget your second chance out with you. Okay, so he says, so these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were opening the doors, throwing them in the fire, and the soldiers who threw them in the fire were killed because of the heat. That's how mad he was. He was going to turn up the heat. King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet. In amazement, asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth has the appearance of the Son of Man. The Son of God was in there with them. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So they came out of the fire. And all the high leaders and governors and royal advisors crowded them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. 
They weren't scorched. They had no smell on them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You think this can happen to an advisor, a supervisor, an administrator, a director, a principal, a superintendent, anybody who you work for? Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, he wasn't praising God necessarily himself, like having a personal relationship with God at this point. But he said, I saw the demonstration, so praise their God. Not praise you, God. Praise their God. Whoever it is, praise them. Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of these people who have sent an angel and rescued his servants. They trusted They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Isn't it amazing how people, no matter what your beliefs are, a lot of times they'll just admire you for having beliefs and standing firm for them and having a backbone for them? Then the king promoted them, of course. (laughs) Promotes Daniel, promotes them. Another king proven wrong. And here, same king, actually, and it says, um, let's go to Daniel 4. Daniel 4. This is Daniel's journey through Babylon. Now, all these kings have these great ambitions. And I remember with, in my position sitting down with a couple of administrators and leaders and had a chance to witness to them and talk to them about the things of God and few years back and and I was very concerned and I'm just trying to, I was trying to just prove a point and say you know we have all these test scores rise we have all these things happen we have a, a rating of excellence and we do these things and we're becoming really a great district Maysville is becoming a good district and I was trying to tell them it's probably because you have Christians praying not because people all of a sudden get it right and you look around at your kingdom and you're like, you know, as much as you don't want to take credit, if you're of the world, usually you have some pride. I did this. I created this. This is my dominion. Look around. This is of my hands. The sweat of my brow, the callus on my hands, I did this. And there's a certain amount of pride that we all have when it comes to that. So, and I said, it, I, I told them, God, God's done this. Because, I mean, I don't think I'm praying and 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 i I, i'm praying i'm praying i'm expecting this to happen you know what whoever takes credit because daniel's going through this kingdom and not getting you know any credit as to the fact that no king is changing no king is really seeing daniel's god shadrach meshach and bendigo's god so it says King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations of men of every language who live in the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders, his kingdom, his eternal kingdom, his dominion endures from generation to generation. Sounds like church talk. I, Nebuchadnezzar, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. I was lying in my bed. The images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. This and this is where it gets, it gets personal. So I commanded out all the wise men of Babylon brought before me and interpret the dream for me. All the same people, magicians, enchanters, astrologers. Finally, Daniel, verse 8, came into my presence and I told him my dream. And he, he is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians. Jesus calls him chief of the magicians. So he's still not getting this. 
I mean, the people, people see things that are going on at your work, but they're still not getting that it's an act of God, that you have, like, you're, like, into black magic or you're a magician. I mean, you're a magician. You're a Christian at work, and you're a magician. Is that crazy what people come up with? Because they don't want to completely submit and surrender to an all-authoritative, sovereign, loving God. And it says, these are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. Now, I want to show you this because I want to show you what has to happen to the king. And this is all because of Daniel being obedient, saying, I will not defy myself. I will make you known, God, however you have to do it. I know that the spirit of the holy gods, I'm sorry, verse 10, it says, These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong. As its top touched the sky, it was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for everyone. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. Sounds beautiful. Verse 13, In the visions I saw while lying on my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its, its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump of its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground. This is what God has to do with us. In order for him to be known. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground and the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. Some type of unit of time. So all the, it was maybe like a year or so. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives him to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means. For now, the wise men in my kingdom, none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. He's still not realizing that it's the spirit of capital G, God, sovereign, creator, and possessor of heaven and earth that's in him. He just thinks it's another superstition. Whatever your gods you're serving, ours don't work, but yours do. He's saying, interpret it, because you have the spirit of the gods, O oh, chief magician. And it says, Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Daniel answered, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, O king, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, and having nesting places and branches for the birds of the air, you, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze of grass in the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass for him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree the Most High God has issued against my Lord the king. You will be driven away from the people, 
and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until the acknowledge, until you acknowledge the Most High, capital M, capital H, is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Command to leave the stump in the tree is with the roots mean that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Are you in a situation right now that is absolutely unbearable? You can't understand why your Christianity that maybe you have defined on your own doesn't work. It's not working for you. You're frustrated, confused, miserable, trying to do things in your own strength because you never understood how you let God do it. It's difficult to make that distinction of am I doing this in my own strength or is this God's strength you know you know because he, he is he, he is made strong he, he is in our weakness he is made strong he is made known the vulnerability that we have at our workplaces sometimes is okay is okay and it says imagine this king imagine I mean Imagine how many times God tries to speak to us and we just we don't listen over and over and over and over. And all he wants to do is love us and lead us. And it says this. The command I leave, the command to leave the stump in the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you and you acknowledge that heaven rules. 27 says, therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. It's like God saying, listen to me. Listen to me. Renounce. This is, Dan, can you imagine? Can you imagine going up to your supervisor at work, maybe, that rules with an iron fist, or someone in some high position? or you know, Because when this stuff starts to happen in the coming years with the Antichrist and the people setting up, the, the, the Antichrist setting up, signing peace treaties for seven years and all these things happening, if you try to buck that system, you're done. You, you will be killed. If you don't make the rapture, doesn't matter when the rapture happens, they'll kill you. It's like it's, we're going back to the old times. We will be going back very soon. It's evolving now. If you speak out against our administration currently in the United States about how it's this and that and it's headed toward this this type of system or government and you... You're, you're looked at as a weirdo. You're looked at, and, and you understand soon, doesn't mean it's our current president, but you understand that soon they're going to start issuing things like these kings did. Cut up into pieces, house burnt down. It's going to go back to the old times. So this is why we have to establish ourselves. Imagine the boldness of Daniel going up to this king. It's like me going up to my superintendent of Maysville schools, or you going up to your foreman or your director or your administrator, your leader, your supervisor at work, and saying this to them. I mean, they asked you for help, but did they really want to hear what you're going to tell them? They don't. That's the answer. Typically not. And, I, and that's true because... There's so many kings to go through. And it says, Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being king, kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. In other words, here we go. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he still didn't get it. He still doesn't get it. He said, is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal rep? Did he forget what Daniel said? 
Is this not the great Babylon that I have built the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? That's how we all live sometimes. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your loyal, your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. He's probably like, oh, it's true. And he's having a flashback to his conversation with Daniel. You'll be driven away. You'll eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away, had to eat the grass, dwell like an animal. His hair grew like feathers of an eagle and nails like the claws of a bird. Picture it. It's real. A human becoming almost like an animal. All the peoples of the earth is regarded as nothing. He does. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does. I'm sorry. Go to 34. At the end of that time, Nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Finally, Nebuchadnezzar had a revelation from God. I raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion, which kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth is regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of the heavens and the people of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, this is Nebuchadnezzar, my honor and splendor will return to me for the glory of my kingdom. Now this is, maybe you're not serious with God. Maybe you just don't pray like you used to. And you, you know every on the back of your mind every day, if I could just dive in today, if I could just, today will be the day. Today will be the turning point of my so-called Christian life where I actually set myself to pray again like I used to. Today's the day. But then it usually never is the day. Because we always say that. I'll start tomorrow. I'll start next week. My New Year's resolution, January 1st, to get up every morning and seek God and pray and fight. We never do pray like we know we should. But the great part about this is, it says in verse 36, it says, At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. At that moment. Imagine if you just decided, just decided, just made a decision. At that moment, your fight and your valor will be restored to you. At that moment. The Bible says it happens speedily, quickly. It says now, or, I mean, maybe God has to put us in a place like this for this to happen. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt the glorified king, capital K. Now he's addressing him as capital K, king of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all of his ways are just, and all those who walk in pride, he is able to humble from personal experience. Chapter 5 briefly talks about the next king, because Nebuchadnezzar, the next king, Belshazzar, defiles the kingdom of God, wouldn't you think that he would say, hey, there's this guy, Daniel. There's this capital G God. He just said from generation to generation, did he fail to pass that on? Or did he, did Belshazzar want to ignore it? Or, yeah, there's the, they're keeping Daniel there. Daniel's still there. Why haven't they killed Daniel yet if they're tired of hearing these things? Maybe they want warned. 
Is it possible that the earth desires subconsciously a warning? Belshazzar, you know the story, the writing on the wall, his judgment, he was killed that night. And then Belshazzar, it says at the end of chapter 5, Daniel's still, still going through the system. You know, some of you work for 30, 40 years in the job you're at. You see leaders come and go. You see advisors and supervisors, administrators come and go. Doesn't mean you change. I mean, they'd be able to tell you, hey, watch out for this dude. He's a Christian. He kind of makes things a little rough and doesn't agree, and he's always wanting to do the right thing. So it says in Daniel 5.31, And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So we have Nebuchadnezzar, then Belshazzar, then Darius. Go to chapter 6. This will be it. Michael, you can make your way forward. Daniel 6 says it pleased Darius to appoint 120 high officials to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them and one who was Daniel. Daniel's still getting promoted because he's faithful. He's faithful to God. Can you imagine living a life of Daniel? wasn't easy. Sometimes you think, okay, seriously, I've interviewed three or four times to get out of the job. I'm in. You're keeping me here. Why are you doing this? I'm ready for a change, God. Well, he's ready to change you so he can change the place of work that you're in, maybe. And if we just maybe have a a realization or a revelation like Nebuchadnezzar had, we'll be like, okay, finally. Daniel continues to go through the system. He's distinguished, distinguished himself amongst the administrators. Exceptional qualities over the whole kingdom. They're appointing him and promoting him even more. And they know who he is. They know he's a Christian. They know all this stuff. He interprets dreams. He's made himself known. He's made God known. And it says in verse 6, there, it says, All these other kings and people in the building, they try to come against you. It says, Now a king, issue a decree. Put it in writing that it cannot be altered. And maybe the current king, um, King Darius, maybe he didn't know all, a whole lot about Daniel. But all these leaders knew. They're like, let's get Daniel. Let's finally get him. And you know the story. He, they, they, they persuaded the king to put this in writing. They said, let's make a decree. Let's make a decree that if anyone prays to any of gods except the king, the king, you can pray to your gods, but if anybody prays to their gods in the next 30 days, except for you, O king, we'll throw them into the lion's den. And we know the famous story of Daniel in the lion's den, but once again, this is like the ultimate way of Daniel making his God again, known, again. And he's like all for it. Because it's like he's provoking and antagonizing them in a good, holy way. Because they said, put this in writing. Anyone who prays in the next 30 days to any other god but you, king, to yours, let's throw him in the lion's den. They said to the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you. Because Daniel went to his room towards Jerusalem with the window open and prayed three times a day like he usually did. And the Bible says like he usually did. You understand the end times come? What is your usual? Are you going to be praying and reading like you always did, like you usually did? Or is it going to be like Pastor always talks about when chaos comes, you're going to be like frantically trying to find a scripture, frantically trying to pray, but you never had cultivated that relationship the whole time. Daniel had been through four kings. They're like, finally, let's bust this dude. This king doesn't know about him. We know about him. Let's get rid of him. 
The king heard this. He was greatly distressed because Daniel kind of bucked the system again. He was determined to rescue Daniel. This king probably had heard about Daniel from all the other kings. He's like, I, I, I don't know what you're trying to do here. I don't even know why I signed this. I'm going to try to save him and look for a way out. Sound like anybody else you know, maybe Jesus and Pilate? He's innocent. Are you found innocent? What can the world say about you? Are we found innocent? says a stone was brought and placed over the, uh, the den because he was thrown into the den. And the king even says, may the king, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And these people were starting to get this. Something's different. A stone was brought, placed over the mouth. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. So they're doing everything they can to keep the situation the same. The king returned to his palace. Listen to what the king did. Is the king even saved? The king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him. So he fasted all night and he refused the normal entertainment. He fasted and and prayed and said, um, and he couldn't sleep. His sleep left him and went from him, it says. In the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried to the lions. Then he went near the den and called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. Can you say that before your employers? never stolen from them you've never done them wrong you've always acted just and right and 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 not just had ethics but morals were carried out ethics are what you should do morals are what you do what are your morals like your godly morals at work can the king and the when it comes down to it can your person who's over you at work look at you and say without fault innocent So, once again, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den. Listen to this. It was brutal. They they didn't only do that. They threw their wives in and their children in. And before all of those people in the lion's den, they were thrown in the lion's den. Before they even reached the floor and the ground of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all of their bones. How many want their death to be eaten by lions? And then Satan says... He says, he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's a copycat again because my God is the true lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the one who is able to open the seven seals. He's the only one. And now all these kings, Daniel is like, Daniel, all through Daniel's life, he's making God known. Are you doing that? Are you making God known? Known. Have you established... You can stand to your feet. This is kind of a tough question. Because it's, to be honest with you, as as bold as you think that I am, it's intimidating to me. And I realize this message may reach the website and the podcast. But as bold as I am, It is intimidating for me to sit in a meeting every morning with four or five other science teachers, none of which believe creation, all believe evolution. A lot of them have been teachers for years, and their way is the only way. Veterans. It's intimidating for me to bring anything up. 
It is. Because it's five against one. They already, because they know who I am and I'm the youth pastor, they know my beliefs. We've talked about them a little bit. But as far as all that, they don't like me. (laughs) They don't like the God in me. They've never heard me swear, ever, in seven, seven and a half years. Never. No one in that building has ever seen me blow up and lose my temper. No one has. Though Losing my temper, God took that away from me. God took certain things away from me. There are still things I struggle with. There are still things that you may struggle with. But the bottom line is, is when you say, hey, when something comes up, here's my view on that, and it's a biblical view, you're making yourself known. You're establishing yourself to hold yourself accountable. Do your coworkers, your relatives, awkward again this Thanksgiving and Christmas? It's always awkward. You're the one that's called on to pray. Do you ever go deeper than that with your relatives? Do you ever talk to them about their lives? I have homosexuality in my family. I have drugs. I have prisons. People that have been imprisoned. Everybody has that in their family, don't you? Have you ever gone beyond being the one being called on to pray? You're making God known. This morning's altar call is just, God, please help me like Daniel. No matter how many years or weeks or months, everybody I come across, that they would know you or know about you, know where I stand because of you and me. Make me innocent in your sight. Don't let them be able to stand out and say one bad thing about me because I'm honoring you. And when I sin, I'm like David. I'm quick to repent. It's in private. When I get mad, I'm blown up in my prayer closet, not at anybody else. So that's the altar call this morning. If there are people in your life that you think should know that you are in love with the Holy God, and you've been changed, maybe they've seen the change, but maybe it hasn't been attributed to God. So that's the altar call this morning. Let's take a couple of minutes. Be thankful for God's faithfulness to us and just say, God, I want to make you known in my life. Altars are open. Please come forward. Say a few words to your God. Tell him you'll be faithful to him. Think of your circumstance, your situation. Think of your coworkers, your professors. Wow, your professors. Your teachers, young people, your parents. Have you come home from school or church or youth and you were miraculously changed, young people? Your parents are mad at you and they don't like the change. And you don't even tell them why because you're afraid. Make God known. Make Him known. Be thankful for your situation. Be thankful for your circumstance. No matter how hard it is, because God just wants to make himself known through you. There will be people that won't listen. Will going to the Bible and praying and spending time with God. Will that be your usual when it comes down to it? The usual. 